All right, revved up and ready to go. Philip Ward show on this busy Tuesday night of news. I wanted to just start off with Biden's executive orders. Now, we've gone through how many that he's passed and compared to Donald Trump, compared to Barack Hussein Obama, Bill Clinton, George W. Bush. But Biden's executive orders. Now, here's the comment that he made on them. And this was back in October. He was doing a town hall with George Stephanopoulos, again, former Clinton guy. So how he can possibly be impartial is just beyond me. So ABC News Town Hall. October, quote, Joe Biden, President Joe Unity Biden, I have this strange notion. We are a democracy. If you can't get the votes, you can't legislate by executive order. Well, everything we've seen so far from the Biden administration has literally been executive order after executive order. That's how he's destroying this country already. Oh, and by the way, we have 1,454 days left to go in the Biden administration. Let's ensure that not a day longer happens in this country with Joe Unity Biden as our commander-in-chief. So, again, to finish the quote, you can't legislate by executive order unless, now listen to this, right? You can't do it unless you're a dictator. Well, everything that not only I have seen, but that the entire country has seen so far out of the Biden administration seems to me like, and using his own definition of it, he seems to be ruling as a dictator. Well, I thought it was Donald Trump who was the fascist. I thought it was Trump who was, who was, uh, who was almost like a Hitler, right? That's all the left always throw out the comparisons with Republicans and Hitler. Joe Biden, by his own admission, is ruling like a dictator. He says, we're a democracy. We need consensus. Well, from what I've seen so far out of the Biden administration, there has been no consensus, there's been no agreement, and there hasn't been a single shred of unity. Now, something that Joe Biden thinks is so great, and I have it in front of me right now, is he's rescinded the previous, this is his exact quote, by the way, I've rescinded the previous administration's harmful ban on diversity and sensitivity training and abolished the offensive counterfactual 1776 commission. Unity and healing must begin with understanding and truth, not ignorance and lies. Now, I want to go through the 1776 Commission in a second. I have it up uh, in front of me as we speak. But hold on a second. First of all, unity and healing, right? Joe Biden doesn't have the slightest idea why conservatives are so angry. Because for the Democrat Party to be doing Everything that they're going along with as far as cancel culture goes. This whole rescinding the 1776 commission, which has nothing, nothing wrong with it whatsoever. In fact, it's very patriotic. If you read it, it's 45 pages in full and you'll think, wow, it's good to have an actual 
factual history of the United States of America. You have the introduction, the meaning of the Declaration, a constitution of principles, challenges to America's principles uh, as far as slavery, progressive uh, progressivism goes, fascism, communism, racism, and identity politics. The next part of it, the task of national renewal, the role of the family, teaching America, a scholarship of freedom, the American mind, reverence for the laws. What is so wrong about educating people about that? Oh, that's right. It's the entire Democrat platform. The challenges to America's principle, every single last one of them. Progressivism, uh, yeah, that's how they uh, mask themselves as though they're progressives and they're liberals and they want, they're, they're the tolerant left, right? And they just want love and peace and happiness. Well, that can only be achieved as far as they're concerned if you bow down and agree with them. If you don't, if you have conservative principles and you actually enjoy the role of a family and you want the American dream, you want to just go to work and then come home, live in your house or apartment or whatever it is that you do and wherever it is that you reside. What's so wrong with that? Well, Democrats hate that. Well, you should be out community organizing, right, Barack Hussein Obama? And doing things like that and being an activist and needing change and man-made climate change is an existential threat to our country and to the whole entire world. You know, I'm so sick and tired of hearing about Joe Biden and man-made climate change. This is a party that follows the science? Well, as far as COVID goes, they haven't done that one single bit. And it seems to me that every indication, as far as uh, the teachers union go, that they're just, uh, the Biden administration is going to back them. They don't care if students go back to school or not. I mean, they've continuously moved the goalposts. And how about, when I mentioned moving the goalposts, how about America's doctor, Dr. Anthony Fauci, right? Now, what are we hearing from Fauci? Double masking? Triple masking? I mean, if CNBC and Shep Smith, I saw a clip of it. Uh, it might have been from yesterday. It might have been from today. It really doesn't matter. But, um, <clears throat> excuse me. Oh, by the way. Throughout the program, you might hear, um, I might have to pause. I, I just want to let you know right now, I do beg your pardon. I am very sorry about that. My voice is a little raspy at this point in time, you can probably tell. So if I take a break like this, ah, and you hear that, that's just a simple sip of water. Like I said, I do uh, uh, beg your forgiveness. So I apologize um, for that. So that might have to come up all throughout. Don't worry, it's not COVID. Don't worry about that. It's just a simple, uh, I don't know, I guess I've been yelling a lot lately. It never happens in this program, right? Um, so anyway, you know, he's got this guest on, Shep Smith on CNBC, and she's like going through the techniques. Well, you can put this, this medical mask on and then put on this tight-fitting woven mask. And all throughout, I'm like, oh my goodness gracious. And the worst part about it is there are going to be people that are seeing this, that are going to be scared, that are going to go running for masks and go into story. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. COVID is getting worse. And we have to put on double masks and triple masks and quadruple masks and masks and five masks. I mean, where does it stop? Where does it actually stop? 
I'm, I, I, I know that I speak for a lot of the people when I say that I am sick and tired of COVID. You know, think about COVID, right? It comes to us, comes to the entire world in January of America's election year, right? You have a, a president who is flying towards re-election, who has the best economy this country's ever seen. And then we have this old, stupid man, Joe Unity Biden, who every single thing about COVID was tailor-made to his campaign. Everything. Well, Joe Biden couldn't get a crowd. Well, we can't have crowds because of COVID. Uh, Joe Biden can't speak for long. Well, then he'll do 10 minutes virtually. And, and that's it. That'll be the end of it, right? Again, the citation, COVID. It's COVID, COVID, COVID. The president was pointing this out right before the election. And I was just, I, I watched him and I thought he's so right. That's all you hear about in the mainstream media. How about this? One of the best examples I can possibly give you is on fake news CNN. All throughout the election, uh, the campaign, right? You had the coronavirus ticker, I guess uh, is the proper term for it. And you had on there cases and deaths. And that was it. COVID cases, COVID deaths, by the way, it's gone away. It's gone away. You look at fake news CNN. Just turn it on for a second. I know, just a quick second, so no one is in danger of throwing up ever, uh, ever having to watch that trash and garbage. Um, and you will see no more COVID ticker. You know, it's just it it just plays right into what conservatives have been saying all throughout this so-called pandemic. Yeah, that I'll say it. I've heard some people call it plandemic. Call it what you like and say, oh, well, oh, my goodness, look at how many deaths we've had, though. Well, look at how many deaths we've had from car accidents or just freak accidents, right? Or or anything that could happen throughout. You know, you, you think about it. If you leave your house in the morning, well, you're you're taking a chance, right? You think that you and your body, you trust yourself to overcome any obstacle that you are faced with. I mean... No one knows when death is going to come, but we every single day, we feel as though we've prepared ourselves to get through and defeat another day. It's starting to sound very gruesome, but you know, it, it, that, it, that's life. There was, there's only two possible outcomes if you receive a positive COVID test. You either die from it or you recover and you get better. <clears throat> Excuse me, that, that completely it and cnn refused to show how many and the overwhelming majority of people that have had covid have gone over it and have beaten it they refused to show it so that leads me to another point you know conservatives are so angry right now well they just want to watch news but here's the issue though there's no news anymore there's no unbiased not opinionated news. I think of the people who are running newsrooms in CNN and NBC and ABC and uh, MSDNC, which good luck even trying to watch that channel. They're overwhelmingly run by Democrats. So when you think you're just getting the news, you are literally just getting opinionated Democrat spin 
all throughout. Let me give you an example of it. So Joe Biden today with his saying, um, I've rescinded the previous administration's harmful ban on diversity, sensitivity, training, blah, 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 counterfactual 1776 commission. Well, that is backed up by NBC News, who writes on here, let me see, Robin Autry, who is the chair of the sociology department at Wesleyan University, right? A, a professor, go figure. Quote, here's the headline. Trump's 1776 commission tried to rewrite U.S. history. Biden had other ideas. Now, listen to this. The now dead report is easy to dismiss this propaganda. Well, why is that, right? Because, it, and, and I'm looking at the article right now, and I, I don't see almost anything about uh, the 1776 report, right? That is, is positive in any way. And I'll show you in a second, but here it is. In just 40 pages, the report offered a framework for a patriotic education to counter false and fashionable histories that paint the country's founders as hypocrites who espoused elegant, uh, elegantary, good Lord, with that one, principles while protecting the institution of slavery. And it's like, there's nothing about that. Literally, under the challenges to America's principles, slavery. And, and uh, the 1776 report talks about Martin Luther King Jr. And it goes in um, to talk about Abraham Lincoln, uh, the Constitution, Frederick Douglass. Uh, you have you, so many important historic figures. And again, it'd be way too long for me to go over the entire commission. But basically, all you really need to know from it is that it's good factual information and, and by the way at the end of this nbc news article so-called news article right listen to this the 1776 report seems motivated at its core by fear of losing losing elections losing power and more generally losing the hearts and minds of the majority right and then this is where you can just tell it's garbage because then she goes on to point out Public projects like the 1619 Project or the New York Historical Society's Slavery in New York exhibition endeavor to do just that when she's talking about uh, otherwise to cater to a white fragility, right? To keep us from collectively confronting racism and the complex legacies of slavery. Here's the thing, okay? And I love it because this is one of the challenges in the 1776 Project is race politics this is what the democrats do let me tell you something as far as slavery goes no one on the face of this earth has had to face slavery every ancestors everyone's gone now slavery is not a thing slavery is only used by the democrat party to gain power to gain control that's all they do it's race politics, putting people into minorities and, and whites and blacks and Hispanics and Asians, dividing. That's what they do. Literally, this is their job. Divide, uh, make, uh, politicize that, that, that they're politicians. They do this for a reason because they want power. When's the last time the Democrats have done something good? for this country they haven't and honestly under this administration i don't see it getting any better
Now, American Greatness um, highlights the 1776 report that Joe Biden wanted to bury. Quote, one of the last acts of the Trump administration was the release of a 1776 report, a 45-page document by the President's Advisory uh, 1776 Commission summarizing the principles of the American founding and how these principles have shaped our country. Sounds straightforward, but as a rebuke of the New York Times false and misleading 1619 project, the commission's work to promote patriotic education was bound to stoke controversy. Why? Why? It goes back to make America great again. Remember when Donald Trump Oh my goodness gracious, when he brought out that slogan, make America great again, not make China great again, or France great again, or England great again, or Germany great again. No, he was worried about this country. And one of the best lines I think the president ever had during his debates was when he said to Joe Biden, said, Joe, I am here because you and Barack Hussein Obama didn't do a good job. Uh, it's fantastic. The president, would, uh, uh, the former president, office of the former president is now open, by the way, uh, the office in Mar-a-Lago, uh, Donald Trump, you know, he, he never wanted to go into politics. And then he saw this country was being split apart, divided by Barack Hussein Obama, divider in chief, and Joe Unity Biden. No unity whatsoever. This whole, this divide in America you better believe that it started with Barack Hussein Obama. There was never a more divisive figure than Barack Hussein Obama. Um, so to continue the uh, American Greatness piece, one of Biden's first acts on Wednesday was to sign an executive order ending the commission and rescinding the report. It was immediately scrubbed from the White House website. They say, though, that we believe the report should be read closely shared widely and discussed honestly in the coming weeks and months american greatness will publish a series of articles highlighting the importance of the 1776 commission's unfinished work and showing why the principles of the american founding are so vital and so misunderstood now even the washington post has an op-ed trump's 1776 report holds some value now if the washington post who didn't agree with donald trump on a single thing still doesn't to this very day is saying that there's some value in the report then guess what as far as i'm concerned there is probably something good in it and here's joe biden you know you, you, donald trump got so much criticism because well it it seems like everything that obama did he wants to he wants to redo right well it needed to be redone i mean look at the economic figures from barack hussein obama he destroyed this country look at foreign policy is it a smart idea to give 1.5 billion dollars to iran so far away in the middle east there really well, remember Assad and Syria? Oh, don't you dare cross that red line. They crossed it. And what did he do? Nothing. Remember ISIS every single day, every month, probably more accurate. It seemed like there was, a, there was another ISIS attack, wherever it was throughout the world. 
and and under Barack Hussein Obama, well, he wanted to police the entire world. Did he really do a good job at that? No, I don't believe so. And guess who was there all throughout the Barack Hussein Obama presidency, or as he calls him, Barack America, Joe Biden. It is going to be Barack Hussein Obama all over again. Just when we thought we could get rid of Obama and his policies, right? Here comes Joe Biden acting like a dictator. Again, with his own definition, he is acting like a complete dictator. Now, on top of that executive order, there's this executive order that he signed for immigration. Quote from Fox News, the citation. What will Biden's immigration overhaul mean for national security? Just one week into his presidency, President Biden has already signed six executive orders concerning immigration. Experts say Biden is quickly undoing former President Donald Trump's immigration policies, and some fear these reversals will have huge impacts on national security. Todd Benzman, senior national security fellow at the Center for Immigration Studies, says the plans Biden announced so far portend a more dangerous America. He said um, uh, in Juarez, Mexico, I've just returned from interviewing migrants in Juarez without expectation. All of them have been made expectant. Um, oh, excuse me, phone call there. Uh, more expectant. Uh, it made expecting. Excuse me, I lost my train of thought there with the phone call. Actually, this is a good time to get this water in me. Ah, so like I said, again, I do apologize with the voice. Without expectation, there you go. All of them have been made expectant and excited that they will be able to come into the U.S. with no fear or possibility of rejection or later deportation. So anyone and everyone, doors wide open. By the way, the border wall that the president built over 450 miles of, forget about it. Yep, halt that. No, we can't do that anymore, right? Um, on top of that, last week, Biden proposed immigration legislation that would give legal status and a path to citizenship to anyone, anyone at all in the U.S. before January 1st, which is an estimated, listen to this, 11 million people. And of course, he halted work on the border wall with Mexico, lifted travel bans from several predominantly Muslim countries, among other initiatives. It's just, to me, this is incredible. Now, this executive order, right? The great state of Texas said, uh-uh-uh, not happening on our watch. Federal judge has temporarily blocked the Biden administration, the Biden administration's 100-day pause on deportations. Uh, Attorney General Ken Paxton, um, Texas Attorney General, saying victory. Texas is the first state in the nation to bring a lawsuit against the Biden administration, and we won. Within six days of Biden's inauguration, Texas has halted his illegal deportation freeze. This was a seditious left-wing insurrection, and my team and I stopped it. Now, here's the um, details behind it. Again, Fox News in the citation, federal judge blocking Biden's 100-day moratorium on deportations. 
After Texas sued over the policy, the judge blocked Biden via temporary restraining order from moving forward for 14 days. The Texas lawsuit that they brought forward claimed that the administration would be violating an agreement it has with the Department of Homeland Security and would require at least 180 days notice as well as consultation prior to implementing changes in immigration policy. Now, it's unclear whether those terms are enforceable, but similar agreements were struck with several other states under the former administration. Again, it's all part of undoing everything that the Trump administration did, because for the most part, the Trump administration had the country first, always America first. Joe Biden, it's America last, always. It has to be. That's the Democrat Party for you. So, COVID, I wanted to get into a uh, a real quick uh, thing about COVID. Uh, governor Ron DeSantis of Florida, who I believe is the best governor in the entire country, says the insinuation that Florida is underutilizing vaccines, totally disingenuous. Florida is number one in the country among the top 10 most populous states for vaccine doses per capita. Additionally, Florida is averaging more than 300,000 first doses per week, but we are not going to divert second doses away from our seniors. We're committed to ensuring our seniors are the priority and they get their second dose. And if the White House is suggesting that we shouldn't be doing that, I don't think that's a good suggestion. So Democrats, of course, criticizing Florida. But here's the thing. Who's been their hero throughout the entire pandemic? Andrew Cuomo, governor of New York City. And that's it. As far as I'm concerned, I mean, they even gave him an Emmy, for God's sake. So Cuomo today, This it's, it's just, if he didn't say it himself, you couldn't possibly believe it. Incompetent government kills people. More people died than needed to in COVID. That's the truth, right? And here's the thing. Jim Garrity writes, On Friday, New York Governor Andrew Cuomo announced, and remember, as far as locking down the entire state, right, and having the USNS comfort for COVID patients and then refusing to put a single COVID patient in there and thought it was a better idea to put them in nursing homes and he takes no responsibility for that whatsoever. You know, I heard and I believe it was on Brian Kilmeade's radio show, his former governor of somewhere, I can't remember the name off the top of my head, but he had an incredible quote that really stuck with me. Leadership is when things go right you give credit to every single person in the administration, the state. You give credit to all of them. But when things go wrong, you take the responsibility for yourself, for your actions, because you are the leader. That's what Andrew Cuomo fails to do. This man is not a leader. He's just like Barack Hussein Obama. Joe Biden as well just makes excuses for everything that goes wrong. But anyway, so Cuomo announced... Uh, on Friday that his state had temporarily run out of the vaccine. How? That's what I want to know. How? Now listen to this. But according to the Bloomberg chart, New York has used just 61% of its nearly 2.4 million doses. It's just unbelievable. And here he's saying more people didn't have to die, right? 
Well, if you weren't such an incompetent leader, then less people would have died. Um, now, very grim, but this, this to me really stood out today as an important story. And let me get my dates right on it. I, I might have been, it was from yesterday, actually. I'm just getting around to it uh, today. But here's the story. And I'm only reporting on it because it, honest to God, breaks my heart. And on top of that, it makes me so, so angry. Here's the headline. Winner a Food Network show charged with child abuse murder of white three-year-old foster child. This woman criticized white privilege on social media. So this woman's name, Ariel Robinson, 29 years old, right? Now, she has an adopted three-year-old daughter, well, had so sad to say, an adopted three-year-old daughter. Here's some of the uh, tweets that she put up about her. And it's funny because in her Twitter box biography, Jesus, she says, right? Wife and mom, winner of whatever, Food Network show, speaker, cameo, podcaster, visit my website for more. So she's got a picture with her three-year-old white daughter. And by the way, she's a black woman. Okay, she's a black woman who adopted this three-year-old white girl. We go together like ketchup and mustard. Being a girl mom is awesome. And she has her three-year-old white daughter. Then another tweet she puts out. This was actually the day before she put that one. Look whose hair is no longer in quotes, nappy. Her edges were laid and curls popping. Because like she says, don't worry, mom, you can fix it. And that's just what mommy does best, okay? So, no problems with that, whatever. You know, it's your, your daughter. You can do whatever you want with, with your daughter, adopted or biological. It doesn't matter to me. But now this is the problem. This And this is in the blaze, by the way, if you want to read it. Carlos uh, Garcia reports on it. This disturbing story unfolded in Simpsonville, South Carolina. Police allege that Ariel Robinson, 29, and her husband, Jerry Robinson, 34, inflicted a series of blunt force injuries on their adopted child, Victoria Rose Smith. The parents called 911 on January 15th to report that the child was unresponsive. When medical professionals arrived, they immediately suspected child abuse, according to the heavily redacted police report. The three-year-old white girl, Victoria Smith, was taken to the hospital where she was pronounced dead. The two, Ariel Robinson and her husband, Jerry Robinson, were charged with homicide by child abuse. Um, so... Ariel Robinson was a local comedian, aspiring television personality, posted a large amount of content on social media. Among those posts, however, were entries decrying white privilege while talking about her three adopted children, all of whom were white. She said, quote, on January 6th, funny enough, 
in my house, my black children get treated the same as my white children. And my white children get treated the same as my black children. It's a shame that when they go out into the real world, that won't be the case, she said, right? Adding the hashtags white privilege and black lives matter. So this is just disturbing. It's shocking. And it's disgusting. How can anyone who, who is saying things like this, who's supposed to be a comedian, beat the living hell out of an adopted child so that the child died? To me, if she's found guilty, she deserves the death penalty. Victoria Smith, a three-year-old girl who had her whole life ahead of her, who was adopted into this disgusting, awful family, can no longer live because of nothing she did wrong. She got beat to hell by these people. So I said, and now I said it on the Twitter box. I said, if found guilty, this disgusting monster deserves the death penalty. And you know what? I got banned from Twitter box for 12 hours. Uh, we have determined that this account violated the Twitter rules. Really? What else would you say about that? If a mother beats her child to death, she deserves the death penalty. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. There are no excuses to knowingly take an innocent human's life. A three-year-old. What could a three-year-old have done to make her so mad that she decides to go out and murder her daughter along with her disgraceful husband. This is a disgusting, disgusting story. And you know what? You won't hear about it in the mainstream media. And why is that? Because it was a black mother and a white child. And it doesn't fit their narrative of dividing this country. I guarantee you, if it was a white mother... And she beat a black three-year-old child to death? Now, I will tell you something. I would still be as outraged as I am right now about it. But it would be all over the media. All over. That should show you how disgusting they are. And, and, and you're not going to tell me that they don't know about it. Because the Blaze is reporting on it. And now, that, that brings me to another really big point here. By the way, Meg... She rest in peace. God bless her little soul. Disgusting. Awful. You know, may Victoria Smith rest in peace. Truly heartbreaking. God bless her. But anyway, so, you know, it's something that I believe conservatives are really starting to get ticked off about is the credibility of our mainstream media. What makes the blaze, which is a conservative outlet, right? What makes them more credible than CNN and vice versa? What makes CNN more credible than The Blaze or One America News or Newsmax or Fox News? That's been the biggest rivalry going, right? Oh, Fox News is conservative and we got to stop both sides. Okay, well, you got, okay, you got it. Fox News is a conservative opinion in prime time. But guess what? NBC News, liberal. CBS News, liberal. ABC News, liberal. MSDNC, liberal to the point where they're communists. Fake News CNN, liberal. 
So you have these conservative outlets, no, which again, the liberal mainstream media have to destroy. They can't, no one, they're not comfortable enough with what they think about and their ideas because none of it makes sense and it's all based on lies and inaccuracies. They're the ones who spread disinformation, not conservatives. Conservatives do their research. So how is it that this doesn't get put into the mainstream media? What makes them so much more credible than conservative outlets? Nothing. The answer is nothing. So when you hear Donald Trump, and Donald Trump unmasked all of them when he said they're fake news, well, he meant it, and he was dead on accurate about it. Watch how they cover the impeachment trial, which we'll get into now. Senate rejecting, let me you know, let me take another sip of water, because now my voice is going to be even worse tomorrow, so I apologize for that. One sec here. <sighs> <clears throat> anyway, so I beg your forgiveness. Again, the Senate today, so Rand Paul, senator from Kentucky, who's a Republican that actually has a backbone, put forward an attempt to declare Trump's impeachment trial unconstitutional. Well, the Senate rejected that. Go figure. Of course they were going to. 55, though, to 45. That sh That's a big news uh, story. Well, why is that? <clears throat> Excuse me again. Because... Only five Republican senators voted no on this. Oh, and by the way, no guesses, no no prizes for the five that voted no on dismissing the trial. Collins, Murkowski, Romney, Sass, and Toomey. I wonder when they go home at night, what do they think about? Do they think, wow, I really hate this country so much that I'm going to continue to vote with the Democrats. And I hate Donald Trump because ah, I wanted to lose my entire career. I wanted to make sure I have a seat here. I want to make sure I don't really make waves and I'm fine. But then Donald Trump came around and the Republican Party started winning, right? And, oh, phew, we don't need any of that, right? They're actually He's actually pushing what we always say we believe in. And then when push comes to shove, where are they? This is what they do. They vote with the Democrats. But nowhere near... The 17 Republicans needed to uh, vote uh, uh, guilty uh, for Donald Trump. So it, it ain't going anywhere. Jonathan Turley, who is a con uh, constitutional uh, lawyer, actually wrote an op-ed uh, on the 17th about this. Jonathan Turley writes, Trump's impeachment trial, why his best defense may be no defense. So he says, quote, if American politics show anything, it's the anonymity, again, sorry about my words, not, nece not, nece not necessity, goodness gracious, is the mother of invention. Many continue to feel rage over the Capitol riot on January 6th. Can I condemn the speech, he says? Every conservative has condemned it. Uh, well, not the speech, but you know the uh, rioting that occurred. However, it is the future of the Constitution, not Donald Trump, that most concerns me as the Senate is about to try to remove a president who's already left office. It says now, on its face, the planned impeachment trial is at odds with the language of the Constitution, which expressly states that removal of a president is the primary purpose of such a trial. At the time, Trump will be neither a president nor an office, which today he isn't. He will be a citizen and would be best served legally to forego the trial entirely 
as extra-constitutional and invalid. The Trump trial could prove the tale of two cases with strikingly, strikingly different precedents. The Democrats are likely to rely on the case of William Belknap rather than William Blount. For Trump, it is Blount who should be the focus of the Senate. Now, Blount was a senator from Tennessee who was alarmed by a plan for Spain to cede what is now Louisiana to France. Blount was a land spe speculator, and he sought to have Great Britain take the land instead. That led to a call for impeachment, but Blount was expelled in 1797 from the Senate before he could be tried there. So the Belknap case, now on the other hand, is free of one of the threshold issues in the Blount case. He was not a member of Congress. However, one issue remained. He was no longer in office. In 1876, Belknap resigned as Secretary of War after allegations were raised that he had accepted bribes and engaged in other corruption in the Indian territories. Again, there was a vote on whether the Senate could even try someone no longer in office. 29 of 66 voting senators disagreed with even holding a trial and voted against the proposition that Belknap was, quote, amenable to trial by impeachment, notwithstanding his resignation. Not surprisingly, given that vote, Belknap was acquitted. So basically, he's arguing the point that because that uh, impeachment is used, impeachment in the House, remember the House has the right to impeach, and then the Senate has the right to try the impeachment. So the point that Jonathan Turley is making is constitutionally speaking, there is a, 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 this is supposed to be used as a tool to get the sitting president out of office. The sitting president has already left office. So it's just a total joke from the Democrats. Um, Rand Paul today was just fantastic on the Senate floor. I'll give you some of his quotes. A partisan vendetta against a man no longer in office. He says, this sham of an impeachment will ostensibly ask whether Trump incited the reprehensible violence on January 6th when he said, I know everyone will soon march to the Capitol to peacefully and patriotically make your voices heard. Peacefully and patriotically. Those are hardly words of violence. Now, he said on top of that, no Democrat, though, will ask whether Maxine Waters incited violence when she literally told her supporters to confront Trump officials in public. Says, what of Democrat words? What of Democrat incitement to violence? No Democrat will honestly ask whether Bernie Sanders incited the shooter that nearly killed Steve Scalise and volunteer coach. The shooter nearly pulled off a massacre. He says, no one was calling for Bernie's impeachment there says, when my wife and I were pushed and surrounded and screamed at by the same type of mob that Maxine Waters likes to inspire, it's terrifying to have a swarm of people threatening you. He says, but I wasn't sure if we'd survive even with the police protection. But again, no Democrat ever, ever considered impeaching Maxine Waters for her violent rhetoric. He says, uh, the 45 senators agree that this is a sham of a trial. This trial is dead on arrival in the Senate. Now, on top of that, I think Charles E. Schumer knows that as well because he says impeachment trial will be quick and doesn't need a lot of witnesses. 
Well, the exact quote, I don't think there's a need for a lot of witnesses and, uh, and that he expected the trial to be fair, but the Democrats would not let the Republicans be dollatory, whatever he says, you know, give them a chance. So there absolutely can be no witnesses. Remember we had this last year when the Democrats were trying to impeach Trump. There can be no witnesses because it's not the Senate's job. The Senate is there, you know, do you call more witnesses in a in a court of law, right? After when you're already you've been presented the arguments, they're just there, they are just jurors. That's what this that's the Senate's job here. They the House again, the right to impeach is with the House. The Senate has the right to try that impeachment. I remember going it over again and again uh last year around this time. Now, on top of all of this, let me get back to, I want to, oh, Jen Psaki, circle back, circle back, circle back, circle back, I want to circle back to uh, Joseph Unity Biden here. So last week, as we all know, Biden kills Keystone XL permit, right? So here's the backlash, though, and there's an incredible quote in here that I want to incorporate. Uh, this was in Fox News today. Pipeline worker slams Biden for canceling Keystone XL pipeline, saying, quote, it's like a kick in the stomach. A pipeline worker who has worked in the industry, listen to this, for 53 years speaking out against Joe Biden. Guy Williams says, we've waited for this pipeline for 10 years. It's like a kick in the stomach that knocks the wind out of you. It says, the United States, uh, obviously Biden, uh, said the United States must be in a position to exercise vigorous climate leadership in order to achieve a significant increase in global climate action and put the world on a sustainable climate pathway. Leaving the Keystone XL pipeline permit in place would not be consistent with my administration's economic and climate uh, imperatives, right? So Williams hit back and says, We've done every environmental study known to mankind. Justin Trudeau says people kind. And we've done them and done them over and over again. Trust me, we've done our due diligence. We know what we're doing right now. Just let us go and do it. He says you you come look at the at them in the face and tell them, you know, I just with one stroke of the pen killed eleven thousand high paying jobs he says i have no idea what i'm going to do i live in a predominantly farming community in the louisiana delta area er, uh, land there's basically no industry whatsoever here how sad is that he's not the only one biden ending keystone pipeline was quote totally political um neil crabtree welding foreman who began working on the pipeline construction as an apprentice in 1997 says well i mean the president was able to put us out of work by signing a piece of paper but i'm the one that had to let these people in let these people in and tell them i didn't have a job anymore he says coming from a small town in arkansas there are not many jobs outside of the farming industry Unless you farm, there's not a whole lot of opportunity. So I chose this career. We go all over the country and we depend on these projects to provide a living for our families. So he doesn't know what to do. 
says the oil is already coming into the country. This pipeline wasn't going to be the start of it. It's coming by rail cars every single day, hundreds of thousands of them. Listen to this now. This is one of the best quotes I've ever heard. I always laugh when the government says they're going to create thousands of jobs. The government doesn't create jobs. The private sector in this country creates jobs. The government can, however, destroy jobs and kill jobs. I showed you that by Thursday, the killing of my job, the killing of my career. That's what the government is capable of now i think didn't he hit the nail right on the head less jobs as opposed to more jobs and by the way that quote you could that could that could easily have come from president reagan but it seems like less jobs as opposed to more jobs seems to be the theme of this campaign like i continuously say we only have 1450 more days to go and it cannot go by quick enough